Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Asband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Nazir, daf tet, page nine. With page nine, as promised or not promised, Bulineder, we begin Perak Sheni, the second chapter of Nazir. Um, as we've been discussing all these different ways that one can take on a period of Nizirut with different formulations and that those very subtle shifts in wording can actually make a difference in what one is taking on. Um, Parag Shani, the second chapter here, is going to delve further into how different kinds of terminology can have impact in the uttering of a vow to become a Nazir. So we have here, we're going to open, of course, the chapter of the Parag, Hareini Nazir Min HaGrogarot Umin HaDvela. If somebody says that he is a Nazir and the point being, and therefore is refraining from, and these are the words he adds, right, from dried figs and from cakes of dried figs, which is not the basic nazir that you know from the Chumash or from, for that matter, from chapter one, right? Somebody says, you know, this is the way he's going to be a nazir. So now we have a machloket in the Mishnah between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. Beit Shammai Omrim, nazir. It works. The language that he's chosen here is not going to um, mitigate against becoming a full-fledged Nazir. And the fact that he's talking about dried figs, like it's interesting, but it doesn't have any impact uh, because the whole, all the rules about a Nazir are really about grapes and grape products. Well, Beit Hill ain't no Nazir, but Beit Hill says he's not a Nazir because he didn't really accept the Nazir, the Nizirut upon himself as per the terms of Nizirut. Amar of Yehuda, but Rabbi Huda adds, right, that even for Beit Shammai, who says that the that this language does make the vow kick in, right, even so, it's only in the case where he says that they are forbidden to me, meaning that he's ref- referring to the figs and the fig, fig cake, are, are prohibited the same way that certain issues of an offering would be konam. We've talked about this in the past, right? And so then it looks like he's taking a vow about the figs, but the vow about the figs is a separate issue, according to Beit Shammai, as opposed to it being the vow of Nizirut. So it's as if the saying of Hareini Nazir, behold, I will be a Nazir, is one vow. I, I get This is my, my presentation. It's not clear that the Mishnah would say it this way. And then it's almost as if it's a second vow, um, so to speak. And when the Gemara picks up on this, right, because that's the end of the Mishnah, the Gemara says, that straight up quote from the Mishnah and Beit Shammai's statement, right? So the Gemara wants to know, right, what is the rationale that Beit Shammai is going to say that this wording gets the person to be a Nazir? But it should be only about grapes, right? What's going on here? Right? The whole point is that the Torah only um, prohibited the grapes. So the Gemara says, Rebbe um, was of the opinion or held of the approach of Rebbe Meir. A person, this is a really wonderful general principle in the name of Rabbi Meir, that a person does not utter statements for nothing. Meaning, once somebody's going to say such a thing, then the very fact that he is saying it 
gives it meaning, right? Like gives it import, I guess, is more than more than meaning. So that according to Big Shammai, then the person here may have misspoken, right? He's saying it in a way that doesn't quite work for Nizirut, but he's still saying these words, which clearly he must have meant Nizirut, right? That he meant to talk about grapes, instead he talked about figs. Um, whereas Beit Hillel would all is presented here as holding in the opinion of Rabbi Yossi in a machloket between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi. Beit Hillel Slavri like Rabbi Yossi da Amar begamar dvarav adam nitpas. We hold people accountable for the the final things that they say, the last, the way they conclude their statement. So the fact that he starts out with a nazir, which is so important for Beit Shammai's understanding of what this person is trying to say, is not important for Beit Hill following Rabbi Yossi, because they're going to follow the end of the statement. And the end of the statement is about figs and not about grapes. So it can't really be talking about a nazir. Right? So the the Gemara here goes on to say, well, this is a vow, and it has within it an opening, right? An opening meaning a reason that you could dissolve the vow, because it seems to, to kind of be a contradiction in terms, right? One who's talking about Nazir should not be talking about figs, he should be talking about grapes. Once he's talking about figs, people could take an oath to swear off figs, sure, but then that's not what we would call Nazirut. So, the the lines are drawn, I would say here, between, on, on the one hand, we're talking about Nizirut, but also this Mishnah and therefore the Gemara talk, you know, following, and the Machloka between Beit Hill and Beit Shammai, following the Machloka of Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Meir, is also really about how do we pay attention to what people mean when they say what they say. Yeah, again, I think we're seeing a lot of the same things that we saw in Masachat Nedarim you know, repeat itself again here, because again, it's just exploring how do you actually make the nedzer of Nizirut or does certain language obligate you in that nedzer of Nizirut? Um, I think what's interesting here, and this is the piece I'm going to go to, is on Amud Bet, um, you know, they they go through a whole thing of trying to understand what exactly do they mean. And um, one of the things that they bring here is looking at that uh, machloket with a Mishnah in, in Menachot as, you know, sort of another way of thinking about where somebody says something um, that can't be the right thing, but maybe it still has impact. Tanan Hatzam, we learned there in a Mishnah. So somebody says, I, you know, it's, I'm going to bring a Mincha offering from barley, right? So we know that, and we saw this before because they quoted the Mishnah before, that you can't have a mincha offering from barley. This is the type of flour offering that was brought in the Beit HaMikdash. It has to be from wheat. So the mission of their teaches yavimin hachitin. So therefore, right, kemach, let's say he just says plain flour, he has to bring fine flour, right? You weren't allowed to just type of mincha from any type of flour. Um, it needed to be from fine flour. So if you just specified kemach, uh, that isn't saying the fine flour, um, but we're just going to say that you you have to bring from the solet. Uh, then if someone says, Shalom b'shem without oil, and uh, I can never say this word in English correctly, frankincense, right? Uh, so, which is part of, again, what that mincha offering has. Yavienu b'shem you still bring it with the oil and frankincense. Chatzis, let's say he says he's going to bring half an of flour, 
right? But really, that flower offering, that mincha offering, has to be a full isaron. Yavi isaron shalem. It still brings the complete isaron. Isaron and mechatzet. Let's say he says an isaron and a half. Yavi shnaim. He brings two isarons. Rabbi Shimon poter. But Rabbi Shimon, he says he doesn't have to bring anything. And again, this was, pay attention. Talks about the machlokah between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. We had it before. Shalohi nadev because he did not donate in the manner of the way the manner of the way of those who would donate. In other words, the language is so off. He hasn't specified anything well enough according to Rabbi Shimon, and therefore he actually doesn't need to bring anything because he really didn't say it the correct way. Um, then the Gemara wants to know, you know, who, uh, you know, okay, Mantana, who is Tana, who? Who says right? Who actually is the Tanu who teaches that first halacha there? So now we have Chizkiah comes, and Chizkiah is going to try to explain the Tanakama even according to Beit Shammai. So the Tanakama, right, is actually you know saying that you would still have to bring this mincha of chitim even if you said sorim is actually part of the machlokas between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel and actually follows the view of Beit Shammai, which doesn't seem to make sense because remember, what did this Mishnah say? The Mishnah basically said that if you, uh, you know, again, because if you say, you know, Beit Shammai says that you said from dried figs, he's still a Nazir. So he's going to say that this actually follows the same way, right? Love Amri Beit Shammai. Did Beit Shammai not say in our Mishnah, right? Ki Amar Minha Somebody says of a Nazir from dried figs or pressed figs, have a Nazir, he's a Nazir. Hachanami, so here too, ki amar mina sorin, if you say from barley, may vi mina chitim. So this makes sense, right? Then you would have to bring it from the wheat. So this seems to be Beit Shammai's opinion. Um, now, Rabbi Yochanan is going to interpret the Tanakhama, the Mishnah of, of this Mishnah Menachot, according to Beit Hillel, right? But Rabbi Yochanan, I remember Rabbi Yo- Beit Hillel said in that case of the Nazir, you would not be a Nazir. You can even say that all, even Beit Hillel, right, would agree with this Tanakhama's position. Because our Mishnah is talking about a case where somebody says, uh, sorry, the Mishnah Menachot, okay, is talking about a case where he said, had I know that one couldn't vow like that from barley, lo nadarti kach, lo nadarti I would not have vowed like that, but rather like this. In other words, we could say that for this particular case of the mincha, right, it's clear that if somebody was told, wait, you really shouldn't have said that that way, they would have been like, oh, well, I wouldn't have said it that way because I really want to bring a mincha, okay? But in our Mishnah, right, it, it, it's, it's not, you know, it's not clear that that would be believable because everyone knows that a Nazir couldn't possibly involve any type of prohibition against figs. But it's possible with a mincha, okay, you got a little bit confused between wheat and barley. You didn't know that. But there's something about the Nazir itself being sort of so famous or so well-known, what is prohibited to the Nazir. You know, that's why Beit Hillel comes down and says, not a Nazir. But in this case of mixing up chitan seorim, you know, it's possible that someone just sort of didn't know or they misspoke. It's much more believable that there could be um, some type of, uh, that it still could be some type of mix-up. So I thought that was also sort of interesting because I think the nugget that's buried here 
is that like the Nazir was a very well-known thing. Like everybody knew about Nazir. Everyone knew what was prohibited for a Nazir, as opposed to some of these other type of donations maybe you would bring to the Beit HaMikdash. Okay, it's not so clear that everybody knew it and it's more likely that you could have misspoken in those types of situations. But with Nazir, Beit Hillel is not going to allow you to misspeak because everyone knows the Nazir is not about figs. I'm a little bit curious how, you know, you say everybody knew about Nazir. I get that, right? It's certainly the concept. I'm curious how the people in the time of the Gemara related to Nazir as a thing, which they're learning about. And we've talked about this before in other Masachtot. You know, it had to be relatively academic because the only way a person could become a Nazir is the same way that we've seen in our own day, right? One of the known Talmudim, one of the known close students of Rav, of Rav Kook, Rav Avri Mitzchak Akoin Kook, was known to be the Nazir because he took on this Nazirut and there's no Beit HaMikdash, so he never ended the Nazirut, right? Like he, he, even if he had wanted to, even if he, if he wasn't trying to be a Nazir Olam, there's no way to close it off. So I'm wondering how the people, and it's wondering in the air, meaning I'm not going to get an answer, but I'm curious about the way the people in the Gemara perceived, you know, in, the, in that era, they perceived this material. Did they relate to it as something practical that they're not taking on right now? Like the same way I'm going to say I'm not taking on Nizi Root right now. Or was it something that they, you know, how often did people take it on? And to what extent did it seem foreign because they did not have a Beta McDash? Or did they figure another Beta McDash will be built very soon? So, Let's, you know, keep current in the law. You know, I, I don't have any answers here. I'm just curious. You know, the way we saw the, the Korban Pesach be so live for people who are not bringing a Korban Pesach. I'm curious how the Nazir connects. Right. Nazir seems to be one of those things that also, but it, but it makes sense in a way. Like, I don't know. It's a dramatic parak. There's characters in Tanakh who were Nazirs. Like, I see why that could be more understood than like, you know, what's a Mincha offering look like? Yeah, and I think, and Yordan, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. I think there may also be something about Nizirut that for all that there's this back and forth of like, is it a good thing to add to the mitzvah of the Torah to, to restrict yourself further? And or is it a is it a bad thing to do so, right? For comparable reasons, right? Um, I wonder if there's something of the like the attraction or the the what captivates people about Nizirut is this like like I don't know like inclination to to see what would it take to do more or do we frown on that and therefore we're going to be negative about it but it, there's there's drama here in a way that maybe there isn't in in every other nedder that might be out there or in all of the cases of Yivamot then Yivamot cases could be pretty dramatic if you imagine their home lives but I feel like there's a, an attraction to the question of Nizirut maybe because people feel like, you know, it's a way to safeguard themselves against their lesser selves. Or, I, I you know, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here, but I, I feel like maybe the nature of what it means to take on the Z-Root, even if they weren't going to do it, somehow still captures people's thinking because of the implications of what does it mean for one's religious life? Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Barber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and our Talking Time on Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Music.